0: Welcome to the Case for Safety podcast, bringing you expert tips to improve safety and health at your workplace. I'm your host, Scott Fowler. This episode of the Case for Safety podcast is sponsored by Safety Focus. Use the promo code 22SFOPOD at checkout for 10% off your Safety Focus registration. Learn more and register at safetyfocus.assp.org. According to the American Staffing Association, approximately 3 million temporary and contract employees work for U.S. staffing companies during an average week. However long someone may work at an organization, it's the responsibility of the staffing company and the host employer to provide and maintain a safe work environment. A new manual titled Protecting Temporary Workers, Best Practices for Host Employers offers guidance on how to do just that. Uh, and my guest today is someone who is very involved in the development of that document, uh, Scott Debo. Scott is a certified safety professional and associate in risk management and a principal of HSE at Avetta. Scott, welcome. We're good to be talking to you. Hey, thanks so much, Scott. It's great to be here. Uh, gr- great to have you. Now, uh, I, I gave just kind of a, a little brief overview of, of this uh, document in, in the intro there, but I thought we could start by kind of giving listeners a, a deeper dive, you know, kind of I gave the 10,000 foot view. So let's kind of co- come down a little bit, kind of give uh, listeners a, a better overview of this document, how it came together and how it will help both host employers and safety professionals protect the safety and health of temporary workers.
1: Yeah, sure. It's a great place, great place to start. And, and so this document, what I think within our community that of academics and safety professionals and staffing professionals and our friends at NIOSH and our friends at ASSP and the collaboration to put this together is, you know, literally years in the making, but it's it's absolutely a step in the right direction and worth it. Um, so I think the first thing to understand is, look, the this initiative established and solidified some really important liaisons between groups that knew about each other before, but really weren't working together. So, uh, you know, the American Staffing Association working closely with NIOSH, working um, with the ASSP is is one of the things that helped this document come together. uh, And, you know, important groups that have a similar focus But not quite connected or now better connected saying the same things on on safety in this important area for for worker safety but for business performance it's it's a terrific opportunity so that's really what we needed a kind of unity um strengthened approach to kind of amplify this important message and and as well as kind of point to some what are some better established frameworks within the safety community within the business community that uh, we don't have one employer involved here we have two and sometimes more employers involved. We have the host employer, the staffing companies, the temporary workers. And so what we're really doing here needs to create a better framework for safety outcomes for the workers. And so I think that's the first thing I wanted to uh, kind of share out of the gate. This was a terrific effort. Um, we're forging ahead in important areas. And, and so I'm very grateful for all my friends in safety that teach me and, and help help us amplify this important message. But the second thing is that this document builds on previously successful initiatives. So the OSHA temp worker initiative that came out several years ago highlighted you know, significant but well-documented requirements for safety responsibility, you know, between the host employer and the staffing companies. Um, but work needed to be done to provide a little bit more definition, um, better resources, insights, better practices for the host employer, um, you know, such as you know control of the day-to-day. Uh, aspects of of safety, and where do those responsibilities more clearly lie? You know, and integrating communications between these these employers, because risk fluctuates, as you well know, right? We we can get together as employers and say, we really want to do well in safety, and we have all the right things, but then next week, production levels change, or something unforeseen happens, or staffing levels dip, right? Resources and boundaries are constantly in flux, and so that's why managing risk across a spectrum of work really requires um, better knowledge and so where do we start we thought we could start with let's create a document that guides the host employer through the consideration of what what does better practices in safety and health or what's a better framework look like and let it serve the staffing community as well um and in fact i would i would encourage staffing companies to become fully engaged in understanding like when we hear systems frameworks and uh, safety management systems, rather than just a traditional focus of you know due diligence and 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 these things that are still important, but how do we learn to manage risk along the continuum of work, uh, manage risk to acceptable levels? And that's what this document is for. It says host employer document, but it's certainly I think there's something in there that everyone can learn from.
0: Great, yeah, I think that that provides a, a really really good uh, good overview. Not. Uh... The document, taking a closer look, the the document's really broken down into three sections, and we'll be talking about each of those and kind of walking through the process. The first of which is evaluation and contracting. So kind of with that as the start of the process, what are the key points that, you know, host employers, staffing companies, and safety professionals need to know about that phase of the process?
1: Yeah, you know, I think, I think that's a great next, you know, great next place to start. Perfect follow up because we are evaluating risk from the standpoint of who do we work together with. Um, the question is, how are we evaluating capabilities and capacity of another employer to understand and manage risk in a way that's conducive to the whole operation? There's a dependency there between the employers, and so so I like to think of evaluation for the host employer. Uh, what I would encourage is just broaden the thinking around business risk and, and include include factoring in an organization's position, such as you know their staffing company that they're depending on for part of their labor strategy. What's their position? Um, is ESG a necessary and important part of, of the, the host employer's future? Any employer they depend on in this realm should have an understanding a position of position of that area. DE&I, uh, financial risk, Written safety programs, but commitment to safety beyond just what's written. You know, everyone says, "Look, we share the same moral imperative. We want everybody to be safe, no one to get hurt." But really, how do we uh, how do we understand risk in an ongoing, ongoing fashion? What's our capability to identify, manage risk, contribute to the ongoing improvement of work as it's happening at the employee level? So. So I think of uh, the evaluation portion. So how do the employers really kind of evaluate that? That's important for the host employer and the staffing company. And then it's important to consider uh, joint risk assessments. How do we examine work together? So it's great that we start in evaluating uh, an employer's work environment. Are there written job descriptions? Are there standard work procedures? Those are all very important. But how do we evaluate is work being completed in relation to what's written? Like, you know, what changes that? And that requires us to be intentional, host employers as well as staffing companies, but but that these two employers are really seen as uh, one entity in the minds of the employees when it comes to their safety. And so, you know, when we say joint risk assessment, it sounds a little bit nerdy, a little bit clinical, <laughs> but what we're talking about are two employers coming together and say, look, we're leaning into this assessment of risk together. Um, I'm not there every day as a staffing company, but I can ask my employees questions, and I can visit at this set cadence that complements the host employer, and the host employer kind of does the the same approach. So it's an ongoing, uh, what we, you know, to reference a safety management system, it's an ongoing aspect of a plan, do, check, act. Right? How are we planning? To, to talk about, to observe risk. Is work happening like we think it should be? Like, how do we know that? What are we doing together? How do we verify what we're doing is, is effective? And then how do we adjust to that, right? How do we pivot and plan for the next uh, the next cycle, the next work period? And, and that's very important for workers to be able to uh, not just think of evaluation from the standpoint of checking boxes from an initial due diligence or contractor view, but evaluation in terms of ongoing monitoring and assessment of risk once work actually begins. So that's the evaluation piece. Um, You mentioned contracting too. So the the contracting piece is super important too, because this is where uh, we're required to have written, we should absolutely have written contracts or a contractual understanding of the division of responsibilities and capabilities around safety and health Uh, clarity around the scope and the boundaries of the work that's going to be completed the job tasks the requirements the qualifications that are needed um you know the hazards and the related controls specific to what would be encountered by the temporary workers uh so, you know so we think of lockout tag out um and it's common for a host employer to have their employees conducting uh, authorized activities around lockout tagout. right they can put their hands on controls and locks and have keys and. And the temporary workers are often affected by that and should not be engaging in any way uh, around procedures for lockout, tagout to, to engage a lock or disengage a locker or, or control energy in, in those areas. So, so these are really, uh, I would say, closely guarded practices in terms of contractually understanding who's responsible for what level of activity and hazards and related controls. But this has to be guarded it's a you know daily it has to be observed are these practices still happening when we have a staffing employer should be thinking when uh, and paying attention to if a facilities manager or a leader turns over at a host employer site um, you know, they should be asking meeting that person and saying, "Hey, we've had success in communicating and managing lockout/tagout, and we've been contributing in these areas. and want to continue doing that." And, and so it's under you know contractually who's required for what, but it has to be met with ongoing uh, business practice of of monitoring and monitoring change, which brings us to uh, you know management of change, which is a strong safety management system element to uh, you know around job tasks and how job tasks sometimes change, and you know. Having a process that allows something like a change of, a, of an assignment, but that allows for the updating for the, the necessary training or job descriptions that a, a change uh, process that allows a staffing company time to adjust to that assignment. Um, there's even behind the scenes administrative tasks that need to be done. You know, Changing of a worker's compensation code is important. Classifying a job properly is uh uh, I should say, classifying a job improperly is a risk, not just as a staffing company, but to, I think, the host employer as well, right? There's, there needs to be time to absorb change, right? And that's capacity. That's what we want to create through um, you know, going from, there's a the contractual necessity of us doing business together, but we really have to connect and set those expectations for how we're communicating, monitoring, and assessing risk throughout the cycle of the, the work engagement.
0: Absolutely. The... The the two words that came to mind as you were talking there, it seems like that are so key to this are communication and collaboration, both between you know the between the staffing company, the host employer, and the worker, you know, to be setting and communicating clear expectations of you know w- w- what's what's involved, uh, what's expected, and you know how you're going to work together to help keep workers safe.
1: Yeah, and if I could just add one more thing there, I mean we talk sure. about like a regulatory change and or an OSHA investigation between the host employer and the staffing company. So the process we just described and the the points that the host employer document are like outlines and reinforces and highlights. And I think it'll be easy for an employer, a host employer to go through and say, hey, we're strong here, strong here. We haven't considered this, right? We haven't considered, uh, you know, let's break down the elements of safety management systems. How are we setting a better cadence for joint risk assessment? Uh, and just find one of those areas for continual improvement, because here's where it's important is traditionally where safety is hyper-focused on in, in these environments is before work begins the contractual phase or after after the injury occurs, right? Those are the things that kind of, it's a pendulum that goes back and forth. But look, we need to have these, these system elements in place strong. So look, if there is a regulatory change or involvement in ocean investigation, it's clearly and uh, visibly established, the two employers are working together on an ongoing basis, temp worker or not, and it actually serves to uh, uh, strengthen the position of both employers. Right. So, I mean, no one wants to be cited, um, but yeah, uh, you know, it, business should be conducted in a way where it's just it's evident. And I, I think you know, I think it's fairly easy to see if employers are engaged or not. So, it's another great advantage of the host employer document. You know, as you go through the contractual piece, it pushes towards ongoing, you know, that ongoing communication cadence of, of risk assessment. So
0: I'm glad you mentioned engagement there. And a, a big part of that is ensuring that workers receive the proper training on how to operate safely, which leads us into the next uh, section of the document. Now, with temporary and contract workers, you know, you might be working on, you know, a tighter timeline for something like training if they're only going to be there for a short time. So, with that in mind, how can you best go about ensuring that those workers have the proper training to do their job safely?
1: Yeah, so I, I think the best place to start is to is with with good expectations, strong expectations, and and this is a great. Area to evaluate, we just talked about the uh, evaluation part. H- how do uh, employers evaluate? These are great questions for staffing companies to be asked and to ask in terms of their role and their their level to to do training. Um, but both employers, when it comes to training, both employers have a significant role to play. and it's you know it's specific to their capabilities around their ability to identify and control risk to the worker. So you know the staffing company, traditionally is doing the general safety, health, and awareness training, but think of where they are. you know they're uh, you know they're they're not within the four walls. they're of uh, the the work environment. Um, unfamiliar, uh, not not purchasing, managing, man, maintaining the equipment, not establishing the the methods or the means of work uh, within within the customer's environment. So, you know, they're able to set expectations in terms of, you know, even, uh, you know, what's generally required, you know, pick up some other important house rules or elements from their client uh, to incorporate into their training. But, um, you know, they should also be including you know, what to do if a request, if a temporary worker receives a request to go do something they're not trained for, what do they do? Temp workers should never be in a position where they they don't have a mechanism to raise their hand and say, um, you know, thanks for considering me for that uh, that giant saw or climbing up on the roof today, but that's outside of what I'm trained to do. I'm supposed to call, I'm gonna call so-and-so. And And that happens all the time. That happens all the time. And not because people are bad, because it's the pace of work. We're just trying to accomplish work. And we're talking about supervisors in a minute and and training of supervisors. Uh, But that's so important as people are just trying to get work done, solve problems where risk is often amplified is in these areas where, hey, Um, We have to go beyond just a staffing company doing general uh, safety and health awareness training and the host employer doing the site specific training, um, you know, emergency action planning related things, where do we go, you know, hazardous weather, um, PPE, you know, all your basics, all of your your, uh, important basics, Um, the host employer is required for that. But it has to be equivalent to any training that the host employer would provide for their own employees. Doing the same type of work in the same work environment, and whether they're they are there for forty eight hours or forty eight months, right? It, if they're going to put their hands on that tool and, and complete the same tasks, we don't think about it so much in terms of well, if they're only going to be here for uh, you know a very short amount of time, we can dial back the training on pedestrian safety and forklift interaction. No, that's not what we should do. We need to have equivalent training for the worker. Who's exposed to those very real and present risks um, right now in the same environment, whether they're they're there for two days or two years? So, so that's a very important distinction. I think that's important to elaborate. Um, I like to. I've heard this uh, mentioned that safety's caught more than it's taught. So you need. Safety minded, safety professional staffing firms that can kind of get in there and have those conversations and, and teach and promote this understanding with their workforce that accompanies and strengthens the host employer's same initiatives. But I think this brings us to an important area supervisor, supervisor competencies and training for uh, you know, how, how do supervisors, how are they views, viewed to amplify the basics? Um, in, in a couple of important areas. And one of them is understanding the nuances of a, a temporary workforce. So, Scott, if you think about it, I can be a temporary worker. Uh, I'm, I'm within my first seven days of an assignment. I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm the new kid on the block. I'm unfamiliar with the culture. Even if I'm doing the same work I did at a different temporary assignment, I'm new in this right. environment, this culture. And I hear that if I don't really please the boss, my assignment's going to be pretty short. And so, therefore, uh, I want to impress people, and you know, I may be willing to assume more risk than I should. Very real cultural uh, influencers in terms of what I might be willing to do to uh, to do my job, maybe do more than I should, assume more risk than I should, but. I think the point is it's hard for a person's brain, a human being's brain, to, to be both a new timer and a short timer at the same time and stay closely associated with the day-to-day tasks to work safely. Therefore, how important is the role of the supervisor to understand these nuances and, and, and how to better manage safety in a temp, you know of a temporary workforce? And the staffing company has a strong role to play here and uh, are doing this type of thing. Uh, the, the, you know, the, um, uh, the better ones are actively engaged in helping the host employer you know, teach their supervisors, teach these things and, and how to look out for, uh, you know, the customer supervisors, strengthening, again, part of their management system. So so what we're trying to do is just incorporate daily elements of the, the Plan, Do, Check, Act, plan elements of the safety management systems, managing change with the view of the supervisors in a prime role to amplify good safety messages and detect change um, and, and allow us to adjust to that change before it leads to uh, you know, an event no one's, no one's happy with. Someone's hurt, something's damaged, um, and that's not what we want, right? So, right. so we want good outcomes. And uh, there's another great thing about this, this post-employer document. It steers the employers to this end.
0: Something you you mentioned there, I thought that that was a good example for people to keep in mind. Say, you know, you have a a temporary worker being asked to do something that they haven't been trained on. Uh, I mean, they they may be you may have somebody who's willing willing to 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 go ahead and try you know try to you know as you said please the boss even if it's something you know they're not familiar with. I guess, how would you encourage, like, I, it seems like part of that would go back to the evaluation and contracting and, you know, you're making sure the worker has the right training, you know, before they even, even get to, to the job site. But that example, maybe just how host employers and staffing companies can best, best handle that. Cause you know, you don't want a worker doing something that they're not comfortable with or, you know, taking on unnecessary risks. So how would you encourage them to best go about that, that part of it?
1: Sure. So, you know, what comes to my mind right now is that vision leaks. So this might be a right turn from where you're going, (laughs) where we land. But the thing is, when you talk, you need a strong vision for what the what your program, what your company is about, um, what expectations are, how we communicate and manage safety, how we care for the workforce. But vision leaks right so we can come out of the gate with with strong statements strong tone from the top all of these things but vision leaks it kind of uh, is you know it's like a slow leak in a balloon it deflates and and you need it needs to become a, a, you know viewed as a cultural enabler to continually um, kind of press in ask good questions what are we learning uh, where are we seeing work practice differently than we thought it would today getting people comfortable Uh, temporary workers, getting temporary workers, right? The whole workforce, right? But comfortable with the idea is like, you know, I feel like I want to take a shortcut here or I've seen people taking shortcuts here. We don't have to call Scott out and say, you took a shortcut, but hey, shortcuts are happening. And we can just ask our shortcuts, what do we see here? And so, you know, vision leaks, safety's caught more than it's taught. We need ongoing messaging and being close to the worker and help the workers get comfortable in speaking up and raising their hand. That doesn't happen unless we are very intentional and understand what's what's truly happening at the worker level. So I think of it in terms of hands-on tools and boots on the floor, getting them comfortable with with uh, you know we push tons of safety communication towards the worker. Right? We need to be pulling and enabling that push to come towards us where they can they can just say, look, this is what this is how it really goes, and we had. We had six hours of great training, but then we haven't heard anything until I backed into a pole with my forklift. And now it's all of a sudden another six hours of safety training. It's like, you know, so we're talking about cultural enablers here and and tuning our safety communications to really calibrate uh, the part of the organization that has the the authority and the resources to enable safe work or to enable change and the part of the, the workforce that's doing the work to calibrate to each other and to stay in tune. And in fact, the corporate end of things begin to view the workforce as the one that tunes the corporation, right? The one that kind of gives us intel on how do we get better. The temporary workforce is a part of that. Unfortunately, I don't know if it has been viewed like that, like it should, but I'm a believer that the contingent labor workforce, the temporary workforce, sincere, want to do good work, want to do better, and, you know, if you look at the statistics, they may hold temporary or part-time jobs, but, you know, they're working often numerous part-time jobs to a full-time equivalent. So uh, there's a lot we have to teach, uh, have to learn from them, right? So so I hope that answered your question, right? Uh, it started with Vision Leaks and ended up on, hey, listen to the workforce. No, but, no that was, was great. And I, and I think. Point here or not?
0: no yes you are and i think cal- calibrate is a perfect word i think that that is you know so essential to all of this and you know how you're best utilizing the 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 workforce communicating and collaborating with them you know to keep everyone safe while you know getting done whatever what needs to be done Moving into the, the next uh, section of the document, this is one that uh, focuses on documentation, specifically injury and illness reporting, uh, response, and record keeping. So as far as temporary and contractors are concerned, you know what do the host employers and staffing companies need to know about those elements of their safety and health management system?
1: Yeah, this is an interesting section to me. It's important. Um, and I've grown in how I view this, the importance of this section here, because I think of it in terms of the if you know if I'm a temporary worker and I'm injured at the host employer site, um, in the majority of cases, in most in most instances, you know, if it's a, a recordable OSHA injury, it'll go in the host employer's OSHA log. But to accurately assess the level of treatment they depend on communications they depend on information from the staffing company to say you know how you know how are they treated you know get, get um, you know medical information communicated in a in a, in a way that doesn't over inform the host employer in a way that doesn't give the host employer uh, you know you know medical information on someone that they shouldn't have or mm-hmm. don't I mean that that that's a different type of liability and risk right there but but it should be understood the capability should be established um you know for for so long uh the view i think this is a great place to uh, to strengthen and forge better communications um if a staffing company or host employer to find themselves you know all we hear about is uh when an in, you know injured worker happens but but what are we really learning in terms of uh you know when they're getting hurt you know what you know tip you know traditionally a, a staffing company should be able to break down claims data in a way that's informative yeah it's trailing data um, but what we could what can we learn from this trailing data this claims data that helps us inform our doing our risk assessment activities our communications what are we sharpening up our training um and, and then kind of creates more of a balanced here's what we're doing our our, our leading uh, activities uh, to achieve better outcomes fewer people injured, Um, so to speak so that's where my mind goes first it's a really important area for certainly for both employers to be appropriately and well connected you know but the, the blow by blow so to speak is you know a temporary workers recordable injury uh will go on the host employer's OSHA log right and when it comes to a reportable injury right um you know my experience in the staffing industry is like well sometimes I was uh I've seen it where the host employers, well, I thought the staffing company was gonna was supposed to call and the staffing company didn't call, right? So the, well, that's the host employers uh, required requirement. it's their site, you know, and, and they may have a point there. So it's best to say, get this worked out ahead of time, who's calling what, and, and before OSHA's called, they should be talking anyway, right? Here's what happened, uh, what do we need to know? How are we reaching out and calling and being an activity, once again, um, they should have that strong connection established you know, way ahead of time and and continually reinforced in a, a strong cadence uh, before any injury would ever occur. Right, and this type of visibility OSHA would uh, would easily be able to sniff out these employers. There's a pretty big gap between them, or there's clear evidence that they communicate well. So so these things need to be worked out ahead of time. Um, but traditionally, it's the host employer's responsibility to record. Uh, the injuries on on their facilities OSHA law, on their 300 log. So, a couple other points that are important is that the coordination and communication of medical treatment. Um, you know, especially if a staffing company isn't there. Uh, I I've been aware of instances where a staffing company didn't know for 10 days that one of their <laughs> employees was was uh, was injured and. Out- out of work, right? There, there's probably something to be said on both employer side there, but you, you need to have that good communication on what's going on with the workers. Tra- you know Things like transportation to and from medical facilities. What about second shift, third shift, right? The nuances of uh, uh, those details, uh, record requests, right? If, if a worker representative right, requests information on a, how information is sent and to whom, right? Following an injury. So, so those are, uh, those are important things that host employer document address as well, but needed to say, I view this section as a kind of a good, a good uh, place for employers to be coupled. They shouldn't only be coupled here and, and held together, but they should be uh, connected here with the view that it's, something's happened. We're reacting to an employee injury here, but it's also an opportunity to be learning and to improving. Both employers need to be fully engaged on that.
0: Sure. And I'm glad you mentioned uh, the, the workers' compensation data. It, as you noted, yes, it, it is a, a lagging metric, but uh, the document notes that looking at workers' compensation data indicates that, you know, temporary workers may be at greater risk of having a work-related injury than, than permanent workers, which, so you know, emphasizes the need for host employers and staffing companies to do all the things we've been talking about.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and the, the OSHA temp- that's what the OSHA temporary work initiative uh, was about. I mean, Dr. David Michaels brought needed attention on the area. You know, the the number of temporary workers that were experiencing fatalities within the first few days of their assignment. Why is that, right? What we generally know the things that need to be in place to avoid these fatalities from happening, but there's there's uh, significant gaps in these areas. So, you know, we we don't want to just use this uh, data reactively, but right. um, You know, I think we should add near misses to the conversation too, right? The two employers should be connected enough to learn, look, we had a, we have a, we have a nine foot rule between pedestrians and forklifts, but, you know, we continue to see staffing employees really comfortable around the forklift drivers, the forklift drivers getting too close to the workers in this area. Nothing's happened yet where we have a significant claim, but this is what we're seeing. What are we doing?
0: That's that's a uh, a great example. Uh, any anything uh, anything else you'd like to to add that post uh, employers, staffing companies, safety professionals uh, should know about protecting uh, temporary workers?
1: You know, I think that the things I would share are all are all good. Um, you know, traditionally, the bar, I think, has has been set a little bit low in this area between how should employers be working together? there's There's exceptions for certainly, there's exceptions, and staffing companies are absolutely leading. The charge in terms of how they run their safety programs to the benefit of the host employers host employers doing stellar jobs stellar work at, at uh, integrating and inviting their staffing companies into their their methods of communications and and uh, um, you know work system management which is really important but uh, I don't think that's strong enough so I, I think what we what we point to is the host employer document also introduces Uh, elements of some consensus standards. So it mentions ANSI Z10, right? The safety Mm -hmm. management system model. And I I would encourage staffing employers, staffing companies, as well as host employers to be familiar with the basics of a safety management system model that place the worker at the center of the universe, the center of the work system, and put both employers on a common framework about how we plan work. About how we plan and and observe and understand work is happening like we think it is or it's not, um, and it's it's absolutely the the greatest opportunity to to enable that upward communications we need from from the employees to make them comfortable to tell us things that are really going on, so we we can respond to it. It's a natural area for growth and continual improvement. So, so I'd say employers should be learning about those common frameworks that are so well outlined and and uh, you know. Consensus standards such as Z10, ANSI Z10, or ISO 45001, which which emphasizes leader-worker participation and defines worker uh, beyond just the traditional employee, uh, but specifically mentions uh, temporary workers, contractors, seasonal, volunteer, right? Where your employees have, you know, where where people in your facility have hands-on tools or boots on the floor, that's your worker, according to 45001. It's important to know that because it changes the way we think about how we're, what we're trying to achieve. That's very important. So, you know, I'd say work with the systems approach mindset, learn it, work with people and find people that can teach you that or or draw from that experience and uh, host employers work with professional staffing companies. There's a lot of them out there and host employers understand that you're in the driver's seat to set expectations for safety engagement in your facility, leverage that. Staffing companies are are highly motivated to to work for employees and do what they're good at, which is labor strategy and and helping their their customers achieve the the work outcomes that they're striving for. So so set those expectations on ongoing safety management in your environment. This is a great document. The Host Employer Document is a great document to help stir some of those ideas. I'm really glad you mentioned Z10 and
0: 45,001 as well. Yeah, I encourage folks to to take a look at those. Those are great resources, regardless of what industry you're in or you know how big or small your organization might be. Those can kind of help you, you know get get on uh, get on the right track uh, towards improving your safety and health management system. Absolutely, yeah. All right, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't throw this in there. Uh, if uh, folks would like to take a look at this uh, document, where can uh, where can they find it?
1: I think the best place they can go for it is the NIOSH website and just put in the search protecting temporary workers, best practices for host employers is the name of the document. You know, it could go cdc.gov, nioshdocs docs 2022 uh, is, is a better landing address, but yeah, just search for protecting temporary workers, best practices for host employers uh, on the NIOSH website and you should find it there um, or reach out to me and let me help you find it. I'd be happy to do so.
0: All right, great. Well, uh, thank you so much again, Scott, for coming on. It's, it, this uh, really is uh, a great resource and encourage uh, all our listeners, you know, be they uh, safety professionals, staffing companies, social employers, whoever it might be, to, to take a look and think about how they can use it to improve uh, safety for temporary workers.
1: Well, great. Thanks so much to ASSP and uh, Scott, to you for your time today. It's an important message and, and uh, we're getting further because of friends like you. So thanks again. Join us at Safety Focus,
0: October 24th through the 28th in Columbia, Maryland, and online. Use the promo code 22SFOPOD at checkout for 10% off your registration. Learn more and register at safetyfocus.assp.org. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Case for Safety podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect with us at ASSP.org and follow us on Twitter at ASSP safety. We'll see you next time.